Hi, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this broadcast. And you know my hope. My hope and my heart is that you'll hear something that will encourage, edify, enlighten, equip, and then lovingly, but gently and persistently get you out there in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and start to listen, I want to share with you what this month's truth tool is. It is the Christmas season. So all around us, we see the symbols that remind us of the greatest story ever told. And one of the main players in the story we talk about at Christmas are angels. But we really don't know much about them. We're confused. We've let Renaissance artists somehow define them as chubby little cherubs or somehow they're sitting on a cloud playing a harp. But angels are a whole lot more. They are powerful entities. That's why every single time when they made an appearance in Scripture, the first words are, fear not. But these are ministering spirits sent from God to protect us, to guard us, to give messages to us, and they are still very active today. The book I've chosen is Angels by Tim Chester, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. It'll answer all the questions you have about these angelic beings and the role that they play in God's creation. Ask for your copy of Angels when you give a gift of any amount by calling 877-JANET-58. That's 877-JANET-58. Or go online to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. You can't miss the cover. It has wings on it. Click on the picture, make your donation, and we'll send you, as my way of saying thank you for financially supporting the program, a copy of Angels, When Heaven Meets Earth. When you're on the website, just take a moment and look down one paragraph below the truth tool, and you'll get a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are our dear friends who give every single month at a level of their own choosing. In addition to getting whatever the truth tool is for every month, you're a partial partner, you'll also get a weekly newsletter that includes an audio piece from me. So if you want to be a monthly giver, setting the level of giving at your own amount, or whether or not you just want this month's truth tool, all of that is available to you at 877-JANET-58, 877-JANET-58, or online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Now please, enjoy the broadcast. Friends, this is Janet Parshall. Thanks so much for choosing to spend the next hour with us. Today's program is pre-recorded, so our phone lines are not open. But thanks so much for being with us and enjoy the broadcast. Holy Spirit, move. Spirit move We don't ever want to be the same So breathe upon us now And we'll be changed Take us now into the Father So if I were to ask you to define the Holy Spirit, that third part of the triune God that loves and serves us, what would you say? Is it a feeling? Is it a flame of fire? Is it an emotion? Or is it really Jesus in me? Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. That's what we're going to talk about this hour, perhaps the most misunderstood part of the Trinity, and yet this idea that you and I have a constant companion. I woke up this morning and the world was turned upside down. Good was called evil. Evil was called good. Men were doing what was right in their own eyes. 
And I was able to take a deep breath because I knew that Jesus is my constant companion in the form of the Holy Spirit. I am thrilled more than words can express that I get to spend the hour with Anne Graham Lotz. Boy, I have been praying for this precious woman almost every day for the last, I would say, well over a year. God has laid her on my heart again and again and again. And I, I join with multiple tens of thousands, if not millions, who have done the same. But when you pray for somebody steadfastly, it's awfully nice to be able to sit down and have a, a cup of, well, virtual coffee together over the air. And I'm so looking forward to this. Anne is one of those people of whom it can be said needs no introduction. But let me just formalize this by saying Anne is a best-selling and an award-winning author of over 16 books, including her newest, Jesus and Me, which we're going to discuss. She's the president of Angel Ministries in Raleigh, North Carolina. She did serve as chairman of the board, or chairman rather, of the National Day of Prayer Task Force. She speaks all over the globe. And when she does, I have to tell you, some of us are blessed, and I bet you've had this experience too, where you've met someone and you can say, boy, can I see Jesus in that person? And is one of those people for whom her ambassadorship for Jesus Christ shines brightly. And thank you so much for being here. Knowing what you've gone through, I can't tell you how excited I am that I'm actually talking to you and we're able to have this discussion. How are you doing, friend? I'm doing so well, Janet, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. I'm very humbled and honored by that. So thank you. And I've also been looking forward to talking with you. I feel like um, you're a friend and we've known each other for years. I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your prayers, and I believe, uh, you know, when I first was diagnosed with cancer, God seemed to give me that verse from John, uh, from James chapter 5 that said, pray for one another that you would be healed. And so I just put it out on social media, and people like yourself have been so faithful to pray for me, and I'm just counting on the fact God has heard and answered, and that this cancer journey, uh, I'm on my way out. So thank yes, you. amen to that. Thank you for that. And let me say thank you for putting it out there. And I heard you say once that sometimes when women get a diagnosis like you received, they want to hide. They cloak themselves, they pull in, they disappear, and they don't necessarily want someone to know. You had exactly the opposite reaction, and you boldly put it out there. You even posted pictures on your social media platform. And I was so glad you did, because as I was praying, I'd say, Lord, how is she doing? And just then I'd get a post, and I was glad to be able to follow. You were not reticent in putting it out there. Was it the prompting of the Holy Spirit for you to say, why would I not avail myself of the prayers of the righteous? Uh, that verse that God brought to my mind from James 5, he was telling me, you know, the prayers, I pray for one another that you would be healed. And I felt like he was saying to me, and you, you'll be healed in answer to the prayers of others, not, not just my prayers, but other people. So I mm. put it out there. And you're right, I posted pictures before surgery, after surgery, when I had my head shaved, you know, when I was in chemo, and just to let people sort of look over my shoulder. And one reason also, Janet, I, I felt like when I was diagnosed that it was um, God was giving me my next ministry assignment because I think a lot of women, not only do they pull back and hide and not want people to know what they're going through, but they can feel deep down that God hasn't blessed them, that he's angry with them, that he doesn't love them, or that he's neglected them, that this is some awful mistake. And, and I wanted them to to see somebody going through it that doesn't feel that way at all. I know God loves me. I know he has blessed me. And he doesn't protect us sometimes from those awful things, but he promises that he will be with us through it. When, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I'll be with you. And he has been with me, as you've stated so beautifully, just every moment as my constant companion through the person of the Holy Spirit. So, so I look back, and I don't 
remember the, the grief and the suffering and the pain. What I remember are the blessings of God. So it's been a very blessed journey to this point, and I feel he's enabled me just by his grace to uh, pass that on to others. You know, one of the things I love about your teaching and your writing is just you're so willing to share how the Lord has worked in and through you. And even the day before the mammogram, you got a sense from the Lord that they were going to find something. Now, that's profound in a myriad of ways, but not the least of which is that's what a companion would do. He would give you a wake-up call that something is coming. Talk to me about that. You know, uh, there was no reason for it. And, um, I had been to the doctor. She had reminded me that I needed a mammogram, and uh, so it was like two or three weeks later that my appointment was, and it was turned out that it was my granddaughter's birthday, my youngest granddaughter, and, I, um, and I'm so glad it happened then because I, I was a little bit in the fog, but I was going through, you know what you do, you bake the cake and you make the meal and you decorate the table, and so I could do busy work, but in my mind I was thinking, I'm going for my mammogram tomorrow, and I know they're going to find something. And so by the time tomorrow came and I went for my mammogram, I was settled about it. I wasn't upset. I wasn't concerned. I told them before I had it. I said, you're going to find something, so I want you to be prepared. And when they called me in and I, you know, the radiologist showed me on his monitor what they had found and said that it was cancer, I, I accepted it, and it wasn't frightening. I, I knew God was in charge. He was in control. This didn't catch him by surprise, even though it caught me by surprise. He would carry me wow. through. Wow. And that is a perfect example of what it means to have Jesus in me. Would you like to have that experience without that constant companion? I wouldn't. How I praise God for that comforter, one of the many names given to the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn more as we proceed. Stay with us. We're just starting our conversation with Anne Graham. Lots more after this. Just about everybody is fascinated by angels, but we often fail to let the Bible tell us who they really are. That's why I've chosen angels as this month's truth tool. Learn more about these ministering spirits who are sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. As for your copy of Angels when you give a gift of any amount in the market, call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Come as a wisdom to children Come as new sight to the blind Come, Lord, as strength to my weakness Take me soul, body, and mind Listen to all those names to the Holy Spirit. You know, when you stop and think about it, it would be very, very difficult. In fact, let me let me use the words of Anne Graham Lotz because they're far more eloquent than mine. I heard Anne say once that if we could sit down and we could talk to Jesus face to face, as thrilling as that would be, we'd be sad when he got up and he walked out of the room. 
And that's why he makes the declaration that he's going to send us this comforter. I want to end to dig into that a bit. Anne Graham Lotz is with us. Her brand new book is called Jesus in Me, Experiencing the Holy Spirit as a Constant Companion. So, Anne, I love that. In fact, as I dug into your word and I dug deeper into the word, I thought, oh, what I may have missed by not fully understand the role that the Holy Spirit plays. We hunger to behold him face to face, as the song says. But he did make this declaration that in his leaving, he wouldn't leave us alone. I would I would be so heartbroken if he left the room and I had to pant and wait to see him again, but he left himself in the form of the Holy Spirit. Talk to me about not what, but who the Holy Spirit is. You know, it's wonderful, Janet, because in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, I think it's verse 14, he said it, it would be better for him to go away. And, and that stopped me the first time I read it. I thought, what could be good about Jesus going away? And, but it's just what you described. You know, he said it would be better if he goes away because if he goes away, he would send us the Holy Spirit who would never leave us or forsake us. And so you're right. If, if Jesus is with me, then if I get up and, you know, walk down the block, then, then he's still here and I'm separated from him. But when he comes to me in the person of the Holy Spirit and he lives within me, then if I get up and take a walk down the block, he, he goes with me because he's in me. So I'm, I'm never separated from him in the person of the Holy Spirit. So, mm-hmm. you know, that means he's with us 24-7. And it, this past four years, I've been through so many um, sort of life events that have been very difficult. And the Holy Spirit has been my constant companion. He's a he's a invisible person. Jesus said in John chapter 14 that I'm going to ask the Father to give you another me and uh, and or another counselor. So Jesus is a counselor. And he's going to ask for the Father to send us another one. And the word another means exactly the same as. So the Holy mm. Spirit is exactly the same as Jesus, but without his man's physical body. So he's like the invisible Jesus. Same mind, will, emotions. He's his own distinct person, so he is a member of the Godhead, an equal member of the Godhead, but he is exactly like Jesus, only in spirit form so that he can dwell within us. And when we wrap our hearts around that, it's an amazing truth that just can carry us through some of the Mm -hmm. darkest moments that life has to offer. Oh, so true. So true. And Anne, I don't want to make any assumptions here. You're talking to people from Guam to the Cayman Islands and who knows listening on their computer anywhere in the world right now. So it raises a very important question in this discussion, and that is, so how does Jesus live in me? How does the Holy Spirit come into my life? Well, you know, I was um, a little girl, Janet, and I can't remember the year, but I was seven, eight, or nine years of age. I remember it was on a Good Friday and I'd watched a picture of Jesus about him on television, and when it came to the scene of the cross, I knew Jesus had died for me. You know, I knew that my sin was responsible for his death, and I got down on my knees, and I told God I was sorry. I confessed that I was a sinner. I told him I was sorry, and I asked him to forgive me. I asked him to apply the death of Jesus um, to my sin so that his death would make atonement for my sin. I I wanted the death of Jesus to be worthwhile if it was just for me. And then I asked him to come into my heart, and I opened up my heart and and asked Jesus to come live inside of me. And as a little girl, I didn't know that Jesus is in a man's body up in heaven, getting ready to come back and rule the world. He can't possibly come into me, but he understood what I was saying, and he came into me in the person of the Holy Spirit. So that anybody listening, and it doesn't matter what your language, culture, background, religion, no religion, it doesn't matter, anybody, if you come 
to God by faith, and, and you just say, God, I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry, and I'm willing to turn from my sin, and I ask that you would forgive me and that you would apply the death of Jesus to me so that I claim him as my Savior, and I open up my heart and invite him to come in as my Lord to take control of my life, he will come into you in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Bible promises that. So that's not just what I'm saying, Janet, but God's Word says that if we confess our sin, He will forgive us. If we ask Him to come in, He will come in. And, we, and He gives us eternal life. J- Jesus defined eternal life in John 17 as not just heaven when we die, but a personal relationship with God right now. And the neat thing, the, the really wonderful thing is that God is not inviting us into a religion or denomination or into a tradition or a church. He's inviting us into a personal relationship with himself, and you can't get any more personal than Jesus in me. That's intimate. And to have Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit living in me, that's a personal relationship, and God Mm. offers it to anybody and everybody who comes to him by faith. Mm. When you think about it, it takes your breath away. So it raises another question, because we are all conditional lovers, and we've been loved by conditional lovers. Can I, once I, I recognize my sin, I acknowledge who Jesus is, and I receive in my life what Christ has done for me at Calvary, and I now have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, can I ever do anything so bad, so awful, so terrible, that the Holy Spirit in me up and leaves? <laughs> you know, praise God, no. There's nothing. So it says in uh, Hebrews that he will never leave us, never forsake us. And actually, that's the difference between the Old and New Testament. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon somebody to equip them to lead or to work or to, you know. And then if the person finished his job or sinned, the Holy Spirit would be removed. So like Saul, the first king of Israel, you know, he, the Holy Spirit came upon him to equip him to be the king of Israel. But when Saul sinned, the Holy Spirit was removed. And then the Holy Spirit was given to David to equip him to be king. And when David sinned with Bathsheba, he prayed, God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, because he knew the Holy Spirit could be given and then taken away. But at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, when Jesus asked the Father, and the Father sent down the Holy Spirit in his name to indwell us, then it's once and for all, and he will be with us forever. He he will never be removed from us. He will see us safely to heaven and present us before the Father. Amen and amen. Back after this. to my soul Holy Spirit Let your joys unfold Lord of the promised Power of the highest Spirit of glory Voice of the Visiting with Ann Graham Lotz, talking about her brand new book called Jesus in Me. It really takes a look at the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
And I, for me personally reading it, it just made me love Jesus all the more that he would in fact send us this constant companion. And I, I got tears in my eyes when I read the dedication page because there's a whole book just in the dedication. You dedicate it to the lonely. Explain why you did that. You know, it's interesting, Janet. I, I did it because loneliness was knocking at my door. And as you know, four years ago, my husband went suddenly to heaven. I was his caregiver for three years. And then when I was taking care of him, um, he moved to heaven. Suddenly I found him in the, our pool unresponsive and rushed him to the hospital, put him on life support. Two days later, we released him, and he went on to glory. And three years after he went to heaven, then my father went to heaven, also unexpectedly, although at 99, we were we knew it was soon, but not that day, you know. And and then six months after Daddy left, then I was diagnosed with cancer. And, and when I was diagnosed with cancer, you know, I wanted to talk it over with my husband. I wanted... To, to talk to him, what doctor should I go to? What treatment should I, you know, go for? And I wanted to go to Daddy and say, Daddy, set me up with the best doctors at Mayo's and help me, you know, think this through. And and um, and I didn't have either one of those men in my life to turn to. And and so I felt the loneliness knocking at my door, but it it never came in, Janet. And the Holy Spirit just picked up the slack, and it was amazing how He filled that void. So. And he has in in so many ways. And so I dedicated it to the lonely. And then after I did that, I I discovered or I read a a statistic that 22% of adult Americans are so desperately lonely. They have suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. And that loneliness Mm -hmm. is an epidemic among millennials. And Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is God's antidote to loneliness. So I've experienced that at the, the... hardest times the you know the most wretched times times of grief and suffering and uh, almost shock when i was diagnosed with cancer and then going through the surgery and the follow-up treatments and all that but but the holy spirit has carried me through and i've never been desperately lonely i've never spiraled down into that depression and i know it's the holy spirit who's made himself known to me through not only himself speaking to me whispering to me through scripture as i would read it every day and there would be a promise or a phrase that would just leap off the page and I would feel God was speaking to me, but also through my family that surrounded me, through friends. When I put out that social media and asked people to pray, I got thousands of emails, texts, letters. People were praying for me all over the world, and, and I felt carried by their prayers. And the Holy Spirit, sometimes we don't recognize that's who he is because he works through a family member or through a friend or through somebody at church or you know, our neighbor, and but it's the Holy Spirit who orchestrates um, our support group to, to encourage us, to bless us, to pray for us. And if we don't have a support group, then we just know the Holy Spirit's enough. He's a support group mm-hmm. of one. So mm-hmm. he has really carried me through as a constant companion. I'm, I'm so grateful. Yes, yes. You know, and, and I, don't, I don't know if this is the right exegesis, but I was thinking when you were talking that way back in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, when God makes the declaration, it's not good that man should be alone, our thought immediately is he needs a companion, he creates Eve. But maybe that was just a little hint that man would never be alone because he was going to send the Holy Spirit, because basically 
He knew that we wouldn't be able to survive on our own, that we desperately needed Jesus, and this constant companion was readily available to us, and how tremendously important that is. But there's so much confusion on the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and being mere mortals, we punch back into the experiences we've had. So a meal makes me feel full. But if I'm feeling empty emotionally, if I'm feeling empty spiritually, I think there's a propensity for us to say, I feel empty and the Holy Spirit must not be in me. How do we avoid thinking it's just feelings, but that his constancy is there whether I feel his presence or not? Well, I think that's where faith kicks in, Janet. So my faith is not in my feelings, you know, because as a woman, my feelings come and go (laughs) and emotions Mm -hmm. rise and fall. But my faith is rooted in God's word. And so God's Word says that He will never leave me, never forsake me. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit, emotions may be attached to it from time to time, but really the the best definition of filling of the Holy Spirit to me is just moment-by-moment surrender through His moment-by-moment control. And so it's just living a life that's totally yielded and surrendered to His authority. And when we open up all of our life, every little nook and cranny, dark, hidden recess, uh, you know, Sunday morning when we go to church and Monday morning when we go to the office and Wednesday night when we go to prayer group and Saturday night when we're with our friends. You know, we just give him every single part of our lives and allow him to fill us. Then he takes over, and that's where the fullness of joy and blessing is. And and sometimes we're afraid to surrender everything. We're afraid God will somehow make us less than what we want to be. But that's where the blessing is. And so I think the enemy can try to convince us to hold back on the Holy Spirit, when actually if we let him have everything, that's where the joy and the blessing is. Mm, Wow, good word. I want to build on that when we come back and how that ties into a garage and how clearing out the clutter of a garage is a real example of inviting him fully in. Jesus in Me, Anne Graham Lott's brand new book. The subtitle says it all, Experiencing the Holy Spirit as Constant Companion. Back after this. Friends, this is Janet Parshall, and I want to take a moment to remind you that today's program is pre-recorded, so our phone lines aren't open. But I sure do appreciate your spending the hour with us. And thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of the program. There's a sense of anxiety in our country, and I know you feel it too. As a partial partner, you can help reach the world with the truth and peace found only in Christ. And as a partial partner, you'll receive exclusive behind-the-scenes information and benefits directly from me, keeping you up to date on what's going on in our world. So call 877-JANET-58 or go online to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. on me 
We are talking about the Holy Spirit with Anne Graham Lotz, who is a best-selling and award-winning author, over 16 books. She's the president of Angel Ministries. She served as chairman of the National Day of Prayer Task Force. She speaks all over the world, and she loves Jesus, and it comes through so clear. Loves his word, loves to spend time in his word. Jesus and Me, Experiencing the Holy Spirit as a Constant Companion, written, by the way, while Anne was walking through some very challenging chapters of her life, almost like a tsunami, one event almost after another, and without the constant companionship of the Holy Spirit, I don't know how one perseveres. In fact, you just you you reference back to Dr. Redpath. You talk about this in the book that the surrendering to Him is the moment by moment surrender to the moment by moment control of the Holy Spirit. Danny's found face down in the pool. Surrender. You read the films of the mammogram. Surrender. You get the phone call that your daddy has stepped into eternity. Surrender. I mean, when those moments happen, it seems to me that we have a choice. We either go into full-blown panic and fear, or we press into the one who has many names, not the least of which is comforter. Why would I not want to do that? What prevents us from doing that, Anne? I think one of the things is that it's just in our nature to want to be in control. And we want what we want. You know, and so when you come to Jesus, you really need to let go of your wanter, you know, <laughs> and there's freedom when you just come and lay it all down. And so if, you know, if you're healthy, it's fine. If you're not, it's fine. If you your spouse is well and healthy and he's beside you, fine. If not, then, then that's okay. If your father goes to heaven, then that's fine. If he doesn't, you know, you just, you, you just let it all go. And and you know that God is a good God. He's, he's a good, good father, as the song says. He loves us. He wants the best for us. And so I'm not afraid of his leadership in my life. And I think sometimes we're, we're afraid to surrender everything for fear if we do, then, then he'll ask us to do something that's embarrassing or something we don't want to do, or um, our lives will end up much smaller than what we could plan for ourselves. And, and the mm-hmm. opposite is true. He's had a much bigger plan for my life than I ever could have uh, imagined for myself. You know, he, he has um, a greater purpose and vision for us than we have for ourselves. So we just need to surrender everything and let him fulfill his purpose. And it's an adventure, Janet, you know, one day at a time, actually one, one moment at a time, and just mm-hmm. let him lead. And, um, but he's with us every step. I, I want to go back to something you asked me in the last segment about, you know, would he ever leave us? And, and he never will leave us or forsake us, but, but sin in our lives can cause us. Like if, if we have sin, if we hold on to control, if, if we refuse to come clean with him, um, we can still be forgiven because we've been to the cross and all of our sin is forgiven. But that sin will, will hinder the Holy Spirit in our lives, keep him from filling us, and we can think we've lost him. We can feel like he's abandoned us. And so it's very important to keep short accounts and just make sure that our sin is confessed and that we, we have a, a clean uh, slate with God and, and keep mm-hmm. short accounts of our sin so that we, we let him have everything, let him fill us. And that's where the blessing and the joy is. Well, this harkens back to the story you tell about one of your precious children who asked what they could give you as a gift, and you said, clean my garage. And your son came and did exactly that. But it's such a perfect word picture of the nooks and crannies. I'll give him the stuff that's pretty visible. But And, and you also talk about walking through your house, that upstairs you don't vacuum it as much because you hardly up, go up there. So that's not where you're going to take people. So they might be in your house, but they're not necessarily in your home. 
there is that step of trust that you have to take. First of all, we're deluded if we think that God doesn't already know, but he must so appreciate when we recognize that there is a mess in in one of the rooms of my heart that needs cleaning, and that if I really want that sense of the overflowing of the Spirit in my life, I have to do house cleaning. And the wonderful thing, when I, my son came down to clean out the garage, he, he looked at it, he opened it up, so he let the light come in, and it was just so crowded that, you know, because it's where I stash everything that I don't know what to do with. And so he, he let the light in, and he looked at it, and then he just started right where he was and just picked up one thing at a time. And, and some of the stuff needed to be cleaned up and put in a different place. Some of it needed to be thrown out. And, um, and so he did that, you know, bit by bit until he worked through the entire garage. And now every time he comes home, he checks the garage to make sure I'm not letting it get cluttered again. <laughs> And I think our lives are the same. We, you know, we, we open up our hearts and we let the light come in. And the light to me is God's Word. And let Him shine His Word in our hearts and ask the Holy Spirit to search us and show us what needs to be cleaned up. Some stuff needs to be thrown away. Some stuff needs to be put to death. But we just let Him clean us up bit by bit. And then every day, let Him check our hearts to make sure we're not cluttering it up with sin. So we, mm. when, when we sin, we just quickly confess it, bring it to the cross, you know, and, and for me, it's a daily exercise. Daily, I live at the foot of the cross and just let him mm-hmm. continually, um, Peter called it the sprinkling of his blood, you know, that we would just come and be sprinkled by his blood, knowing I'm forgiven. But I want to stay cleansed and clean so that I have yes. no blockage between myself mm-hmm. and, and the Holy Spirit so that he can fill mm-hmm. my life. Yeah, exactly. You tell the story of your mom tucking a stick when there was a blockage and cleaning out some um, rubbish that would be in the way of the the stream flowing. That's such a perfect word picture of that. Now, you know that somebody listening is saying, okay, well, Anne, teach me. When the Bible says that I shouldn't grieve the Holy Spirit, actually, I believe that's a verse that scares a lot of Christians. What does that mean? How do I grieve the Holy Spirit? You know, I, I love that verse. It stopped me because I grieve for my mother because I loved her. And I, I grieve for my husband because I love him. And I grieve for my daddy because I love him. So grief is a love word. So if we can grieve the Holy Spirit, it's because he loves us. And we grieve him through our sin. You know, so it, it means when we do the right thing, he rejoices. We do the wrong thing, he grieves because he wants the best for us. And he knows that our sin is keeping us not only from the best, but it's going to hinder our relationship with God. And in the, in the end, sin is self-destructive. You know, sin harms us. It's like a, like a spiritual cancer. And if we don't cut it out, if we don't deal with it, it will spiritually defeat us. So, so the Holy Spirit grieves because he wants us to be spiritually healthy. He wants, wants us to have the fullness of joy and blessing and peace. So that grief... Um, it was a wonderful word for me to come across because it was an aha moment for me when I realized that the Holy Spirit loves me. I thought he was assigned to me. When, when I invited <laughs> Jesus in my heart, the Father said, all right, Holy Spirit, you know, you go live inside of Anne, and it was his job. And then I found that he actually loves me, that Jesus, you know, we think of Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so, and we know that God is love. But but the Holy Spirit also is someone who's emotionally involved in our lives. He he loves me. He's committed to me. He's um, you know committed to taking me the distance and presenting me one day before the Father, faultless before His throne. So so the Holy Spirit, that grief is um, it's not a negative to me. It's a it's an eye-opening word to me that lets me know that the Holy Spirit loves me. 
I hope that radically just changes the thinking of so many people who have lived in fear that they might hit some kind of a tripwire and then grieve the Holy Spirit, which they don't want to do. But if you just look at that in a different way, as you said, that there's a love connection to this. It's a radical rewrite of that term. You say in the book that communication is what the Holy Spirit excels in. Well, I have to tell you, when I've been in my darkest places, I am so thankful that even if I can't articulate the Holy Spirit, my constant companion, can do that for me. Talk to me about how that communication takes place. Well, I think sometimes, and in the last four years, I've had times when I couldn't pray, when my mm-hmm. prayer was just a deep ache or, or a cry, heart's cry, a longing, a yearning. And the Holy Spirit takes those groanings, um, Romans 8, verse 26 says, and he presents them before the Father as a prayer. So he knows how to clean it up. He knows how to articulate it to God. He, he lives ever before the throne of God. He lives in my heart. And so he can convey my hopes, my yearnings, my fears, my longings, my desperate cries, and, and put them in the form of a prayer that he presents to God. And he knows how to get answers to his prayer. You know, it's just it's so special. There are times, Janet, when you know, I've, I've received something or I've been given something, and I thought nobody knew that except deep in my heart I had that longing or had that desire or, um, you know, I would have had that prayer, but I never, I never even voiced it in a prayer, and yet God answered it without me mm. articulating, and I know that's the work of the Holy Spirit within. That speaks again to this intimacy that you alluded to before, that it's not ritual, it's not a religion, it's not a domination. It is a relationship, and this unconditional lover of our soul knows our needs, our wants, our desires, even if they're not articulated. The book is called Jesus in Me. Let me take a break and come back. There, By the way, you know I say this on books that impact me personally, and if you can't tell, this one has greatly as all of Anne's books do, by the way. There's so, so much in this book. But in the back, there's just a richness in the appendix. How often do you find something in the appendix that is worth underlining and dog-earing? You should see my copy of the book. It's just loaded. We're going to talk more with Anne right after this. Visiting with Anne Graham Lotz, who's written a brand new book about the Holy Spirit. It's called Jesus in Me, Experiencing the Holy Spirit as a Constant Companion. The Holy Spirit has so many names in Scripture. Helper, Comforter, Advocate, Intercessor, Counselor, Strengthener, Standby. All those things 
should make us just stop. It should make us catch our breath to realize how much Jesus loves me. This I know. But then, and it doesn't end there. Then he gives us gifts. So it raises again a whole bunch of questions. Why would the Holy Spirit give us as his children gifts? And there are all kinds of gifts. And you beautifully talk about these toward the end of the book as well. So why the gifting? Why is it important for God's children to be given these gifts? Well, he gives us spiritual gifts, Janet, to equip us so that we can serve the Lord and bear uh, what we call eternal fruit, to just make a difference in somebody's life that will last for eternity in a positive way. And so he equips us, and it's his sovereign choice as to what gifts he gives to what people. And I think some people, you know, sometimes in the church we've fought over gifts, and the gifts have divided mm-hmm. us, and we've coveted some gifts and not appreciated other gifts. And and it's just so foolish because each one is given to us by the Holy Spirit, and it's perfectly suited to who we are. And And it doesn't have to be one gift. He can give us several gifts, and the combination makes our our gifting very unique. There may be no one else in the whole world that's gifted quite like we are because of the way it's com- he combines it with other gifts in our lives. And so people can, um, you know, go to all sorts of lengths to try to find their gifts. And there are tests that you can take that will help you determine your gift. Uh, or you can ask a friend, what, you know, what do you think I'm gifted at? Or you can try all of them. I've, I've listed the gifts in one of those appendixes. Just mm-hmm. the motivation gifts and the ministry gifts, and and just to you know give you an idea with a little thumbnail sketch of each one. But but the way I found my gifts was just to to be obedient. And anything God calls you to do, He equips you for. And if He doesn't equip you, if He doesn't gift you, then He'll bring somebody alongside you who complements you and has the gifting that you lack. And He's He's done that for me. I had to step out in faith to obey Him when He first called me to to share His word. But then he brought people around me who could do what I can't do, and he's, he's done that to this day. So, so I don't um, focus so much on my gifting. I focus on my obedience to the Lord, just knowing mm. that when I obey him, he's going to gift me in, in whatever is needed. And, but then I do focus on the fruit, and the fruit, you know, Paul said in Corinthians that there's a more excellent way than just the gifting, and it's, and it's love, and he was emphasizing the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and goodness and kindness and self-control and all those you know, wonderful characteristics of the Holy Spirit who is Jesus in me. So, um, so the gifting is necessary in order to serve the Lord in a way that is pleasing to him and that has eternal fruit, that, that makes a, an impact, a significant impact in the lives of other people. So we need to discover our gift, because that also, as we exercise it, there's so much joy and satisfaction and fulfillment in, in operating in your gifting. And within a church, if people are operating within their gifting, it should be harmonious, the, the work should get done, people should be saved, people growing as disciples. It's when we're operating outside of our gifting <laughs> And you put people in the wrong place, and that's where a lot of the angst is and um, a lot of the breakdown. So it's, it's important for us to know what our gifts are and what our gifts are not. 
But the underscore here is obedience. And I so love the way you turn that around and put where the focus needed to be. I mean, look at all the things we've talked about about the Holy Spirit. We've just skimmed the surface. But we've talked about his companionship and the different names that he has and the way in which we can really clean house and surrender everything to him and what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. But you just touched on something now. And this is another area where sometimes it's murky. We see it in a plaque we hang in our kitchen or it's a bookmark in our Bible. But if Jesus is in me, if this is Jesus in me, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then is the fruit when it's manifest, meaning that I've cleaned house, I've surrendered all, and Jesus is shining through in that fruit. It's not my doing, but it really is his manifestation because I've let him live through me. That's right. That's what he said in John 15, isn't it? You know, we don't have to work hard to push the fruit out. We don't have to manipulate things. We just (laughs) have to create the right conditions. And so sometimes he prunes us, which he's done in the last four years of my life, just in fact the last year, just pruned me right back to the nub. But I knew even when he was taking me off the road and putting me in bed and in the chemo chair, he was pruning me back, but, but for the purpose that I would bear much fruit. And so, um, you know, he can, he can prune us, but the, the sap in the vine is the Holy Spirit. And as it flows from the vine through the branches, then the fruit comes. And so you don't see apple trees or pear trees trying hard to bear fruit. They, mm. Those branches abide in the tree and, and the fruit comes when when the sap rises and they get the sunshine and the water and so the the fruit is a natural outcome of jesus filling our lives and or i should say a supernatural outcome i guess but when he fills our lives he begins to just um what one little boy said he he told his pastor he said pastor you said that when i asked jesus in my heart he would come into my heart and the pastor said that's right and the little boy said well if i asked jesus to come into my heart He's a man. He's going to come into my, you know, I'm a little boy, and and the pastor said that's right. And the little boy said, well, then Jesus is going to be sticking out all over. And the pastor <laughs> said that's right. You know, <laughs> so Jesus should be sticking out all over us. You know, when when we invite him to come in, if if we give him the freedom to fill our lives, then he should be sticking out all over us, and and that's the fruit of the spirit. And what a note to end this conversation on. I think, and I speak for so many people, one of the things I so appreciate about your teaching is not only do you draw me the word, not only do you illuminate the word so that it's applicable in my life and I go to a deeper level of understanding, but truly, and I know so many have said this to you, you help me personally fall in love with Jesus even more because I see how much he loves me. Studying the Holy Spirit helps me to understand how much he loves me. Your assignment was to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with breast cancer. I know you're not afraid of whatever the next assignment is going to be, because I know you're going to experience whatever that assignment is with your constant companion, the Holy Spirit. What a good word for you and for all of us. Thank you, Anne. Blessings to you, friends. We'll see you next time. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray tonight. Come move upon us now. 